you were about to enter. Chuck versus the podcast. The only show that takes you behind the scenes with the stars. Yvonne Strahovski. Zachary Levi. Joshua Gomez. Ryan McPartland. Adam Baldwin. Sarah Lancaster. Contests. We are giving away a Chuck press kit. The directors. Jason Enzo. Norman Buckley. The guest stars. Steve Austin. Kristen Griff. Conventions. Lights come up and here comes Jeffster out on stage. Set visits. This is the guy right here. And much more. Are you ready? This is Gray. This is Mel. This is Liz. And we want to welcome you to Chuck versus the Podcast, episode 90 for Friday, May 20th, 2011. Oh my goodness, 90 episodes. And we have a lot to discuss after an awesome, awesome finale, uh, season four finale and set up for season five for what's going to be a really, really fun season five. Um, plus, we have an exclusive interview with Robert Duncan McNeil, who directed part... He directed the last uh, episode of of season four, didn't he? Yep. So it's going to be an awesome interview that Mel had with him. Actually, quite a long one. So we're going to race through everything else. And first is the ratings. Liz. All right. Well, in ratings news, Chuck versus the Cliffhanger rose 0.1 to 1.5 in the 1849 demo from last week. Um, and that means about, about 4.47 million people tuned in for the episode, for the finale. And, uh, I don't know. I think that's a really nice way for, for us to end the season. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's uh, the highest we've been since episode 17, I believe. Mm-hmm. So good. Excellent. And the news leaked last week just in time for Gray to include a breaking news item in the last podcast that NBC would renew Chuck for a fifth season. They confirmed that 13-episode pickup on Friday, stating that season five will be the final season for Chuck, giving the writers a fixed end date to write to work, which we think is an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. And then during the conference call on Sunday, when they were uh, sharing with reporters what the 2011-2012 lineup was going to look at, look like, they announced that Chuck will be moving from that brutal Mondays at 8 time slot to the more genre-friendly Fridays at 8 time slot in the fall when it returns for season 5. Um, which, you know, a lot of fans have been asking for years now why NBC would keep the show in that ultra competitive Mondays at eight time slot, why can't they move it to Fridays or anywhere else? But Fridays came up a lot because it's kind of been established as, as sci-fi night on several different networks mm-hmm. and they're, they're finally doing it. They're finally doing it. So, you know, we're going to be away from, I think we'll have to see how the ratings are with, with that. But I think we may see something similar to what the ratings similar to what we had this year, this season, which are not great on Mondays, but would be very good on Fridays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there there are so many things that are good news about what it would have come. I mean, think about the stress. I don't know about you guys. The stress every Tuesday morning at 1130 a.m. waiting for those ratings to come in. I'm so happy that that's gone. And and to to be in a less competitive time slot. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and and. The thing is, it, what it, what people have been talking about is is this whole phenomenon of a show being moved to Friday and then dying. Well, that can't happen because we already have a fixed end. Mm-hmm. So, so they're moving it very purposely to prop up another show, and they know what they're going to get. They know right. they're going to get those four million Chuck fans 
to to help support this new sci-fi show and they're happy with that 13 very solidly written episodes uh that fixed end date that we've been asking for for months awesome awesome stuff i i i, I just tweeted it um this week uh, asking for well let's think of some other examples of of shows that have had fixed end dates and there's some awesome awesome shows like smallville is a perfect example i thought it was actually weakening in season eight and nine it was weakening until they had a fixed end date to write towards and then it started getting stronger again um i mean think about shows like i think um Friends, Seinfeld, Everybody Loves Raymond, Buffy, West Wing, MASH, JAG, Friday Night Lights, Will and Grace, um, uh, Lost. Quant- Lost. It, the, and what's interesting about all of those shows that I mentioned is that when they have a fixed end date, they write toward it, they have a really strong ending. What happens is they resell very well. Um, they resell to syndication very well. They play forever <laughs> in syndication. Um, a lot of those shows are still on the air right now because they had a fixed end date that, and they ended strong. Shows that fizzle don't do that. So it's awesome news that we have a fixed end date. And I personally am not planning on campaigning for it to be extended. I, okay, see, now I had to have that explained to me because I was in the crowd when the f- news first broke that it, Chuck was being moved to Fridays. I was one that said, oh, no, are we even going to be able to see all 13 episodes? Because I've seen it happen where the show gets moved to Fridays, they're guaranteed X amount, and then they just air a few episodes and then they yank it. But now that I hear more of an explanation, I have a clearer picture, so I feel a whole lot better. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it would have to absolutely tank, like get below a 0.5 in the demo for NBC to pull it before those 13 episodes are up. They gave it 13 episodes for the fans to see um, the series wrapped up to give the writers and the showrunners the opportunity to end it on their terms. It gives them time to, to finish up, to, to tie up these loose ends and gives the fans time to you know, become accustomed to the idea that the show is over. And so they're, they're not going to yank it. They're not going to yank it. No, no. And, and it's a terrible, terrible PR move. Smallville is a very, very similar target audience. And it was in that eight o'clock time slot on Friday. It's gone now. And people are looking that, that, you know, those genre fans are looking for some kind of genre fr- friendly thing to do at eight o'clock on a Friday night. Who knows? We might even pick up some new viewers. Maybe. I know uh, a lot of Chuck fans have already been saying, awesome, Friday nights, Chuck and Fringe. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so very good news on all fronts. All right. Well, now I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mission accomplished. Yeah, Mission and, accomplished. And, Liz and, is convinced. <laughs> and, and honestly, I, I mean, the the complaint with season three was that they had to shoehorn the last um, the, the episode, the, the season extension. And they had already written a very strong arc for 13 episodes and it fell when they extended it. Um, and that happens every, every year they've, they've gotten a 13 order and when they try to extend it, it gets weaker. And, and some seasons they do better than others, but I would rather have 
a 13 ounce, really, really succulent steak than a 19 or 22 ounce mediocre steak. You're hungry, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to eat some supper. 22 ounce steak, huh? Yeah. Well, and I'm sorry, I couldn't come up yeah, with a vegetarian friendly analogy, but. <laughs> I was just trying to picture a steak that big. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but I agree. I would like to see them really knock it out of the ballpark for 13 episodes, you know, to mix our metaphors. And, uh, and and wrap it up on a strong note. And you'll hear in my interview with Robbie, with Robert Duncan McNeil, we talk a little bit about the future of Chuck after season five. Is there a chance for spinoffs or a feature film? And, uh, you know, I think if it goes out on a really high note, if it goes out with on strength instead of weakness, that improves the chances of more Chuck down the road in, you know, just different incarnations. Absolutely. Where if it fizzles, we'll never see that stuff. Mm-mm. There yeah. won't be a strong enough argument for it. So yeah, and and if that all that wasn't enough, Chuck always performs better in the fall. That's right. So if we're only in the fall and it goes out strong, in ratings wise, then mm-hmm. uh, then it's it's just good news all around. Yeah, so I sp- agree. Speaking of good news all around, ha 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 finale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ooh. really working on these segues. Um, <laughs> I think you need to keep working. Okay. <laughs> that one didn't work very no. well. Well, Chuck, but, uh, Chuck versus the, the cliffhanger. Uh, oh, boy. I mean. Okay. In, it, I, I was disappointed that no one literally hung off a cliff. <laughs> I, I'm so used to there being a literal uh, representation of the titles. Uh-huh. I'm waiting for it to happen, and it never did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what a cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah. I know I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, well, some things I saw. Big... Remember, remember, we did talk about how um, we thought that uh, that Volkov was going to get unlocked and he was going to help talk down Vivian. Um, so we did know that part. We obviously knew that that Sarah was going to, you know, she was going to get uh, get healed and she would get married. But oh, how they did it in true yeah. Chuck form! They they took what we knew was going to happen. And then did it in a way that we didn't think was going to happen. You know, even down to the sign in front of the church, you know, panning in on the um, the funeral uh-huh. first, and then and then dropping down to Starsky <laughs> yeah. <Tarski> wedding. <laughs> yeah. You know, was I a was so thing. that uh, my affiliate ran over on the commercials, so oh, I didn't. Oh no, I didn't get that part. Oh so bummer! For me, it was fade to black with her in the the hospital bed and, and Chuck despondent. And all of a sudden we're at the church, you know, watching them, watching Chuck say his vows. And I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> what? I miss, what happened? That was terrible editing. Wow. And then some people in the chat room were saying, ha ha, they got us <laughs> with the sign. And I realized, Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> so I ran through, I downloaded the episode from Amazon the mm-hmm. next morning. I, I fast forwarded to that scene. Okay. That makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> It yeah. was a nice way to move on into that too. Well, and uh, and this episode was just packed, and I knew it was going to be packed when they cut the opening theme music. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they when they just had that swell, and then the opening was done. I was like, they needed that thirty seconds yeah. <laughs> to tell more story in this in this show, and uh, and they they told it. Yeah. 
Excellent. Excellent. I just, this whole, what a finale, what a way to end a season. I, I just can't say enough about it. I was pleased on every level. It was emotionally wonderful, funny. Um, the, of course, the thing that we love Chuck for is the, the pop references, um, coming from Morgan, of course. <laughs> and, and I tell you what my favorite part of the finale was because I love the character so much and I love the actress so much was Vivian. I loved how they talked her down. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a quick, you know, okay, well, we just say a couple of words and it, it'll be, she'll be fine. She'll see reason. No, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard. And, and I kind of felt like, like they made us work just as hard to talk her down, you know, I don't know, on an emotional level, it kind of felt that way because I was hanging on every word, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't know, is she going to, is she going to, you know, is is she going to come down? Is she going to help? Is she going to, what's she going to do? Is she going to be the ultimate? Is she going to be worse than her father or just like her father? Um, I, I, I hoped that she, you know, would end up where she did end up, but for a while there, you just weren't sure. And and I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was a really strong way to, you know, transition her back to the bright side. By, I didn't, I, I expected, I fully expected when Chuck went to her and said, here I am, I know you want to kill me, please save Sarah. I fully expected her to be so moved that she did. And instead she said, nope. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> and 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 even her father didn't do it at first. It was it was it was that um token of uh his his grandmother was it that that uh, that that locket was was yeah. hers and it was that symbol that that um and it was when he put that on the new identities that she made that connection that she had something that she was a better person and I thought it was just so well done. It was beautiful. It was yeah. beautiful. And I loved the, the actress. She, oh, yeah. she did such a wonderful job. I watched her facial expressions and you could see the struggle, you know, cause there was, there were times, I don't know. I'm gushing. I know <laughs> <laughs> because I really, I really like her. Um, and she just did such a, an amazing job. Kudos to her. Congratulations. I think she did fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, and, I love the phase three kind of action with Chuck um, b- being on a rampage for for Sarah. But what I also love, and this this is is something that's re- really important to me. I know, say, take the Superman character, and the stronger he is, the less interesting he is. It's the kryptonite. It's the putting Lois Lane in jeopardy. That's what makes you root for the character. And with Chuck, there's a little bit of a danger with the intersect that if he gets too powerful, too strong, that we start to root for him less. I love the new formidable adversary in this episode that immediately um, takes Volkov, immediately shows his strength, immediately makes Volkov back into um, Winterbottom and the, the, and tasers Chuck. Um, I mean, this is a guy that Chuck can't defeat with the strength. He has to, to defeat with the smarts. Yeah. And, yeah. and in a way that makes us root for Chuck in such a, uh, like in the way that we always have, or at least the way we did originally. And um, you know, he wasn't able to defeat Decker until the intersect was removed. Yeah. 
when he had the intersect, he tried it. You know, he pulled his impressive moves and it didn't, he wasn't able to do it. But after when he was having to rely on his own skills and his own strength and his own relationships. And that's, that's when he was able to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was great that the whole team came together. Oh, that Casey grunt in the beginning when it, when it was like we're gonna have to break into this top this uh, top um, security prison, and he just grunts. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. on he was on page with on the same page with Chuck from the very first word. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, how much did you love his line? So many Russians. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> well, so so much, but not only that. When when he said you're this, it, it, like even without the intersect, without a hesitation, he says you're the second best spy I've ever worked with. Yes, Let's go rescue the best. That. Go rescue the best. I mean, that was amazing. I loved that. Yeah, I loved it. That's high praise coming from Casey. Yeah, it is. especially considering where we started back in the pilot episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure Casey would never have guessed. It, you know. A couple years back, and I would have guessed it would have turned out this way ever. Yeah. Well, which is which is an important thing, and and I don't know if we want to jump this far yet, but I've I've been thinking a lot after this finale, and actually, interestingly, and I, I've been tweeting about this. I've been going back and reading old scripts from Chuck season one and two, and um, and I was reminded as I read these scripts, like I, I'm I'm reading the lines that Casey is saying to Chuck. And I'm hearing season four, Casey talking to Morgan. The way, the way that Casey talks to Morgan now is the way that Casey talked to Chuck originally. And, and, and it just dawned on me just how much their relationship has changed over the last few years. And, and then it actually dawned on me, um, the wisdom behind giving Morgan the intersect because Chuck has now pretty much mastered the intersect. And so it's a lot less interesting, Mm -hmm. but with Morgan having it now, Morgan has like, he is the Chuck of season one with, with regards to the intersect. He is the bumbling fool. He is the person who's going to get in trouble because of it. He is going to the person going to be the person for whom the intersect is almost more of a liability than it is a a strength. And, uh, and that has so many opportunities for for I mean for comedy for um, cool Jeopardy that that we wonder how we're going to get out of and we need Chuck and his wisdom to get us out of it and so I mean yeah because the, there's a difference there is a small difference between the two um, Morgan I could see Morgan being the one being you know ha look at me this is so cool whereas when Chuck got the intersect he was like dude I don't want this get, how do I get rid of this you know it, it and I wonder how that's going to come into play I think um I think Morgan's going to get into a lot more trouble yeah <laughs> with well, see, the I, I I agree with you to an extent but I think there's also there's a a much bigger difference that needs to be pointed out and that is that Casey has been training Morgan for the last year hmm Chuck was just thrown right into this. Yeah. True. Zero training, no knowledge of spying, um, of any kind of martial arts, of how to defend himself, how to protect himself, how to handle living a double life. Morgan's been doing it. Well, he's been living the double, double life for a year and a half. Yeah. Since he found out about Chuck's secret 
And, you know, he's been living with Casey. Casey's been training him. He's been going out on missions already. I think this is a very, I think there's a lot of opportunity for comedy with him trying to master the intersect. And however the intersect reacts to Morgan, <laughs> um, because it's, it's certainly not going to be the same way that it reacted to Chuck. Yeah. So, I, but I think that he is coming from a stronger starting point. Mm-hmm. He also saw Chuck having to deal with the intersect and he saw some of the things that Chuck went through. You know, he saw when the governor when well, when the intersect was on the fritz at the end of season three mm-hmm. and you know the governor and the need for that. And then when Ellie had to fix him, had to fix the intersect, um, you know, he's he's seen all of that. He's going into it with a lot more skill and knowledge than Chuck did. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that would make a difference. Yeah. And and uh, there were some interview, interesting interviews with Chris Fedak that came out today. We're co- recording this on Tuesday, the day after the finale. And uh, and one of the one of the things that he talked about is this cool billion dollars is going to get Chuck into a lot of trouble. I mean, give a nerd a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I wonder if uh, Sarah's going to have to bring him back down to earth. Uh huh. You know, there he's gone on a spending spree. I don't know. I just have visions of him turning castle into like the fortress of solitude. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just. Yeah, I can't wait to see the remodeling. Yeah, he he may do a little bit of that, but I don't know. I kind of at this point, I think Chuck has matured to a level where I think he may play a little, but I don't think he's going to go overboard. I don't know. This is uh, this is Chuck. Yeah, it may it may not be that he's he's playing or that he's going overboard in a childish way, but perhaps in a way that says, uh, we need all these spy gadgets. Uh-huh. And you know, all of all of the the latest and the greatest and then, you know, the castle's chock full of things that they don't actually need or <laughs> Well, yeah. see, now I could see that happening if he takes Morgan shopping with him. Yeah. Well, and you know they will. You know they will. Well, and he you know, owns the buy better. more now, so he, they can take whatever time off they need. And he can get all kinds of, you know, gadgets that he needs to test in advance and just write it off. Yeah. But, you know, I think another important function that, that Morgan and the, having the intersect is going to serve is they are now, Chuck and Sarah and, and, um, Casey are now independent of the CIA. Mm hmm. Freelance operation, therefore, they don't have access to the CIA database anymore. Right, but they have Morgan. Yeah. Right. So oh, they still yeah. Can... So he's their information source. Mm-hmm. Yep. He and it looks like he somehow has the Intersect 2.0, unless he just assumed he has Kung Fu. He knows Kung Fu, and really, all he has is the information flashes because mm-hmm. those are the glasses that Bryce sent to Chuck. So unless they've been modified, yeah, he should only have the Intersect 1.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I mean, they they happen with those glasses. They were more a delivery mechanism oh, right. based on the chip that uh, that he had. And isn't that that's right? He did get upgraded with the glasses. I'm confusing that with the email that Bryce sent. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, no, yeah, the glasses. Yeah. So, how much do you think Beckman is going to be in the next season? Um, I think she will be the source of some. Of the missions or some of the intel, um, probably not all of it. I, I actually personally think that this is going to be a really interesting source for, for plots because 
they can get into like as mercenaries. I'm thinking of Burn Notice, where um, where the kind of things he gets wrapped up in, he he can get wrapped in all kinds of stuff. It could be just a a, a his mom's friend who is having trouble, or it could be this multi billion dollar corporation, depending on on the week. And with 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 Chuck, I could see them taking these pro bono cases, or I mean. They could they could be helping a friend, or they could be helping Beckman with the, with a problem that's got to be off the books. Mm. Yeah. Well, she's and she's already shown that she's willing to go off the books. I mean, she helped them when she wasn't supposed to have supposed to have been involved in the Volkov operation. Yeah. You know, letting letting Chuck get to Volkov, she'll do it. So yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she sent some missions their way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's and, what I'm hoping for. And and really, when you think of 13 episodes, even just the things we've already talked about, the the comic opportunities, the new relationship opportunities, the new castle, the interesting new missions that go, that they go on. I mean, they have potential for a killer 13 episodes. Yeah, I'm stoked about it too because I think you're right. I think there's so many things that they can do with this all now. Um, and none of it scares me. I'm not afraid that, that Morgan has the intersect. I'm not afraid that, um, this will be, um, you know, Chuck and Sarah are married now. How is this going to affect the team? I, I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah. I think it's, you know, if anything, I think all of this is going to strengthen this team. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do and what they have in mind. Yeah, and and a very 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 important thing um, came out today. And even though I know a lot of people have been tweeting about Ali Adler, um, Scott Rosenbaum, and Matt Miller are all out of a job right now because all their shows got canceled, and everybody's been saying we want Ali back and we want Matt Miller back and we want Scott Rosenbaum back on Chuck. And just um, this this the way Hollywood works, people at at that producer level get paid a lot of money <laughs> mm-hmm. and and they cannot take a pay cut they're not allowed to take a pay cut to 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 go back down to a lower level and so um financially it's probably not going to happen but the thing that chris fedak said today that was really 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 crucially important was that um his plan was that they were going to keep all the writers from season four and that those were the writers that were going to do season five yeah. And I think that is an incredibly encouraging and faith building bit of news because I know that they, they had their quirks to work out this season as they figured out the story and figured out the characters and got their groove. I feel like they really hit their groove toward the end of season four. And now that they have their groove, this same batch of writers is going into season five. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. Yeah. That's exciting. That's really exciting news. They, these are some of my favorite writers my favorite team here yeah yeah i actually asked um robbie that specifically if mm-hmm. they bring back anyone and he said you know that's that's above my pay grade but what i can tell you is that we plan to keep all the writers from this season um so i'm excited specifically you know lauren lafranc and rafe judkins and then Kristen newman who i'm on the record you know i'm a fangirl for her big time mm-hmm. <laughs> i love what she's done um her dialogue in particular i love it but I wanted to go back to the episode itself, to the content. Mm-hmm. We haven't yeah. mentioned yet a 
huge setup for season five is the conspiracy theory that Decker yeah. um, alluded to at the yeah. end of the episode. He told Chuck, you know, basically, silly little man, did you think this was, all of this was unconnected? Mm. All of it. All of it. All the way back to Bryce sending you the intersect. In fact, probably back to Stanford is all part. It's all been part of something mm. run by one something that got me excited. I like conspiracy theories. Yeah, we'll need a I new like- Tron poster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> need a new chart. Yeah, yeah. I am really excited about that and about that being kind of the overriding mission for season five to find out who is behind all of this. And, you know, he gave a, a smirk and a laugh when, when um, Chuck referenced his father being dead. Mm-hmm. And I, you'll hear in the interview how uh, Robbie responds to that. And I tried not to let him get away with it, but I had to, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in essence, it's possibility that he's not dead. Oh. But nobody's going to go on the record and say that. Ah. But just listen. Just listen to the interview and tell me what you think. Oh. <laughs> very, very interesting. Well, yeah. and I love that. I, I was fully expecting Mama B to, to bite the big one. This, this, this I know, finale. Is there some big death in this episode? Yeah, um, it, I, I think that was just to scare us into thinking that Sarah could die, um, wow. to increase that jeopardy. But I love the fact that Mama B's still on board at the end of this episode. I um, do too. Going into season five, I think she's been a great addition to the show. Um, I, 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 before and we Wolfpack move on to, what's Winter that? Bottom. Winter Bottom is still alive, Hartley. Yeah, still alive so. somewhere. I don't see him coming back, but it, I mean, they've left it open. Yeah. Um, uh, before I go too far, I do want to mention going back to the Morgan thing with the intersect. Just a reminder to people: if if it, I, I mean, just as Sarah would say, don't freak out. Yeah. But um, it, I, if you're really hung up on this issue of of Morgan having having the intersect, and is this the Morgan show now, but not the Chuck show? Um, shouldn't Chuck be the the center of it? Just remember that the Buy More was destroyed at the end of last season, and in the first episode, it was back. At any point in time, Chuck could put on a pair of glasses and get the intersect back. And that, I mean, that could be something planned for episode three or four of season five. So if they feel for the story that they need to do that, they can do it so easily. And remember back when we found out, when it leaked, that Morgan was going to find out Chuck's secret in the middle of season uh, three? Yeah. People freaked out. The fans were upset. Um, maybe not quite to this extent, but they were upset about it. And, oh, this is going to change the show forever. He's going to, and then, you know, they were saying that he'll be involved on this, involved in the spy missions. And, and it was, I think there was to a degree, the same thing happened with Devin. It was, oh my gosh, everybody's going to be in on the spy stuff. This is, you know, it's going to be about them. It's going to be about them being spies. And, you know, this is, this is Chuck, not Morgan, not Devin. You know, the name of the show is Chuck. Well, you know what? The name of the show is still Chuck, and guess who's still the main character, even though mm-hmm. all of that has happened. So have mm-hmm. have some faith, folks. Just because that happened doesn't mean it, but in any respect, that Chuck is any less special, that he's no longer the center of the show, that this is now the Morgan show, which I wouldn't mind a Morgan spinoff, but 
this is not that <laughs> spinoff. So, yeah, you know, you never know where they're going to take Chuck to. I mm-hmm. mean, he could, they could do something. May, even if he doesn't ever get the intersect back, they could do, there's other things that they could do to make him, you know, really stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he needs the intersect anymore. I don't yeah. either. Really Honestly, don't. I don't. He, because I think he can outsmart, um, mm-hmm. because he's got that heart. He can, he can connect with even the enemy to yeah. get them to do. He's got that knack to get people to do what he yeah. wants. Um, you know, Chuck was never one for, for, he didn't like using a, a real gun. He didn't like to kill people. Well, so what else was he going to do? Because the intersect would easily have had him do that. But no, he did something else. There was another alternative. There was always a different way. There was always a better way. And Chuck is the one that would always find that better way. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I could totally see he, he, I would be happy if he didn't have the intersect anymore. So would be- I. I would, I would like to see him being Morgan's handler. <laughs> and helping Morgan deal with it while Chuck and Sarah are running a billion dollar empire. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. How much cool stuff can he do with Morgan as his, you know, his sidekick now in, in, in even greater respect? He's, you know, the sidekick now with this enhanced ability. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's got Sarah by his side forever. He's got Casey completely committed. This is an amazing team. Yeah. I think Casey's pretty happy with this too. Oh Uh, yeah. I think he's real happy with being this independent, putting this, you know, independent thing together. Uh, No rules. Yeah. He even told, you know, Decker was trying to use Casey's sense of duty, his sense of loyalty and patriotism to get him to turn on Chuck. Mm -hmm. And, he flat out told him no. Yeah. You yeah. know, this This is not season one, Casey. Yeah, definitely. No. Now, uh, we probably should talk about more about the episode. Um, how much fun was it to see 007 screaming like a girl on the back of the bike? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Timothy Dalton is amazing. Oh, I mean, the transformations that he's gone through from that um, sweater... <laughs> the Tuttle yeah. to uh, to Volkov to Winterbottom, um, and and how much fun was it when they're all back at the at the apartment and um, and he looks at the picture of Reagan on the wall <laughs> and he says, "Is he still in power?" And Casey says, "I wish." Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets to use the term Reagan smart. That's yeah. Reagan smart. Oh. Yeah. Oh, one of the things your crush is showing. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, and and his his genuine befuddlement about you know, oh, I was I was a bad, I was a really bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved the scene though with he and Chuck back at Volkov Industries as they're going to see Vivian. Mm. They're terrible disguise, man. That made me laugh. Yeah, the mustache and the glasses. She's totally not going to pass that, Chuck. You got her fooled. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, the way that Dalton played that scene mm. was so moving. He's going to face this daughter he doesn't remember, who is a villain because he trained her to be a villain. You yeah. know, because of him, because of this persona that he no longer, you know, that's been extracted. He can't remember this persona. And now he's got this daughter he doesn't remember who is an evil person. 
and wants to kill, you know, is wants to kill Chuck, wants to kill Sarah, and he just can't go through with it. Mm. Yeah, I I was moved by that scene. Yeah, uh, it was emotional, but and I thought it was just really well played, and yeah. then it let Chuck, you know, let let Zachary Levi get emotional too and go up and basically just lay himself on the altar to be the sacrifice for Sarah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, this, this episode played on heartstrings, like mm-hmm. nobody's business. And speaking yeah. about heart, heartstrings, how brilliant was it for them to set up that, that, um, scene a week earlier when they go through the dry run? Oh, where, I mean, with the little twist ties as rings yeah. and, um, and basically, because the otherwise the finale was just moving at such a breakneck speed, and also Sarah. I mean, the whole the whole point of the episode was how he has to get the the antidote in time for Sarah. So, without that scene going backwards in time, they wouldn't have had this brilliant interplay between them and the slowing down of the action for these important breathing moments where they could. Um, go into the things that really, I mean, we've been looking for for four solid years. Mm-hmm. Um, like this is the culmination of their of their relationship in this wedding, and to slow it down for these personal touching moments was just brilliant. Yeah, I love yeah. Sarah's vows. They oh, were oh, yeah. so sweet, and it was so wonderful to hear her say those words, and then to remember back to the Sarah Walker that we first met, who was so closed off and so afraid of getting close to anyone. Yeah. For her to be at this point now able to express her feelings like that for Chuck. And I just, that, that really touched to me, to hear her be able to voice that. And and the way that Yvonne delivered it, you know, that really soft look on her face and, you know, so full of love. I just, I, I liked that so much. And it's a, it's yeah. such a great reminder of, I mean, let go back to, to the pilot and to see how far she has changed, how far Chuck has changed, how far Casey's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how much Morgan has changed. Even Beckman has changed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, wasn't it at the end of season two that they still had a standing order to kill Chuck? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and I mean, at any time, Beckman would have pulled the trigger on that. And and uh, and then to see her giving her access card to him at 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 the end. I mean, so wow. much has changed in all of these characters, and I mean, it speaks to the strength of the the writing um, for all of that. And um, and then to top it with his vows at the end, um, the vows that weren't vows, and yeah. And then Morgan conducting the, the ceremony. <laughs> you know, for a while there, because, because I missed that transition, you know, because my uh-huh. affiliate screwed that up. For a while, and the way it was shot so soft and dreamy, I thought it was another dream sequence. Uh-huh. Or another memory of something, you know. I thought, oh, this is, is this Sarah in a coma dreaming? And then to have Morgan as the officiant, I thought, okay, oh. wait a minute. But, you know, it just kept going and going. And then I, I realized, oh, no, this is the real deal. And yeah. Morgan has somehow insinuated himself into being the person who marries his best friend with the love of his life. Yeah, it, <laughs> it can be done, actually. Um, yeah. uh, legally, as long as you have a minister there who conduct, conducts the legal part, um, you can have somebody else run most of the ceremony. Well, um, and on TV, you can get ordained yeah. via the Internet. So 
or you know the intergalactic <laughs> planets. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, and I, I, you know, that was a real wedding, guys. Yeah, it really was a real wedding. <laughs> There've been a lot of fans saying, "There's no way that was real. That was a dream. This, the whole last part was a dream. It didn't happen. Nope, uh, legit. Yeah, that was that was legit. And oh boy, um, well, a couple of things. One, the Princess Bride reference. I know. Oh, I just died with, as you wish. I loved it. That window was going up. Oh, <laughs> like as if they didn't, I, I, as if they needed anything else. And then they throw that in there. How brilliant. Um, yeah. And that montage. That. Oh. You'll hear in the interview when it, Robbie says that's something they put in in post-production. Uh-huh. It was not planned. Oh. But they thought, you know what? This is this is something for the fans. This is something we need to do. And how brilliant. It was so moving. It, it was, was so beautiful. Oh, and, and it, and it called back to all these things that, that in that moment, um, we wouldn't necessarily have thought of. And then it reminds you of how far they've come and it, and it makes that moment so much more impactful. Yeah. Exactly. Well done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the second time watching this, it, it was, just as fresh as the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like a little throwaway thing, but um, that little story that Morgan told Sarah as she was laying oh, in the bed. The pants. The pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Chuck never gives up. Chuck never gives up. Yeah. You know, that that part, while, while we were in the chat room and everybody's, you know, teary-eyed during the wedding and, and everything, and I did too, but for me, it was Morgan talking to Sarah you know, when she was in coma, comatose, I think. And, um, I don't know. I always like scenes like that because then you get down to the raw character. Yeah. Yeah. And that was Morgan's moment right there. And I, I loved it so much. Yeah. I just adored it. It was, it was a really, really sweet moment. And it kind of underscored, I think the, his relationship with Sarah and how that's grown. Mm. We we know that he loves Chuck, that Chuck is his best friend. And so he kind of loves Sarah by default. Yeah. But we've seen in the last season, especially we've seen Sarah making the effort to get to know him and him, you know, trying to connect with her. And so it was just really sweet that he was there looking over, watching over Sarah while Chuck was gone and trying to reassure her that everything was going to be okay. I may start to cry again. (laughs) I already was. (laughs) Oh, and, 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 and in that whole hospital sequence, the sense of family when, um, when Ellie and, and Awesome were looking at Chuck and, and looking at Sarah and you could just see like how far they cut. I mean, when, when Ellie first got excited that Chuck was going on a date in the pilot and, mm-hmm. and now to see he's marrying his love and, and Awesome to welcome her into the family. And, and also what do you think how far, I mean, Ellie's interaction with with Morgan in the pilot, mm-hmm. and now to see how she actually respects him, and mm-hmm. oh, it's just just brilliant, just awesome. Yeah. Oh, how about that scene where um um where Chuck calls Morgan and tells him you got to take down that that um, <laughs> security, and, and he puts it yeah. together. And Ellie steps up and says, is he dangerous? Yes. We'll go kill him. <laughs> go get him out of here. Yeah. Go get him. Yeah. Well, she tells Devin, go get him. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go get go him, Kevin. Him. You know, like, what are you waiting yeah. for? Yeah. 
And then awesome gets to be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like Morgan's pep talk on as he's walking towards him was pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Morgan is just brilliant at those just directly to camera riffing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, there he had one when he, he was trying to psych himself up and at the end, right before he got the intersect glasses where he had that, um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but being like being above the law and below the yeah. whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and last episode when he was trying on his, trying his Italian. Yeah. He's just going for it. Yeah. Gomez is a genius. He is. <laughs> he is. I'm glad we got past the crying part because I'm, yeah. <laughs> that last section for our viewers, every time I'm looking over at Gray and Liz, it's because I'm about to cry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. Oh, well, my. so that, uh, that is the finale. Um, that was it. And, and you know what? If that had been the season four, like series finale, Mm-hmm. instead of the season finale, it would have been a great place to end on. Mm-hmm. Them, I think so. Them married and yet still wondering about the possibilities where it could go. And mm-hmm. But we got a season five and there's going to be some okay. tremendous fun and a really solid ending. Um, boy, life is good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, we got another season. We fought hard for it. They're giving it to us. Yay. Yeah. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Yeah. I cannot wait to see what they do with this setup. Cannot wait. I want, I want conspiracies. I want trouble, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Smith action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want a lot. I want him to just throw everything in there. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring yeah. it on. We're ready. Cool. So I guess that's it for our episode discussion of Chuck versus the cliffhanger. And, uh, if, that wasn't enough discussion. It was pretty long already. You're going to get some in-depth treatment with Robert Duncan McNeil. Uh, Mel had a very long, awesome interview with him, and we're going to roll that now. And then we do have some other things to talk, talk about afterwards, so do stick around afterwards. Enjoy. All right, this is Mel with ChuckTV.net and Chuck Versus the Podcast here with Robert Duncan McNeil, executive producer of Chuck and director of Chuck Versus the Cliffhanger. And we're talking about this the morning after. Yes, we are. <laughs> the morning after. Uh-huh. Yes. All those morning after feelings I'm having them right now. <laughs> well, first, <laughs> congratulations on season five. Thank you. Yes, very exciting. We've had a lot of questions about NBC has stated that this is the final season. And Mm. how do you feel about that, having an end date? Um, If that turns out to be true, I never uh, underestimate this show anymore. So even though NBC says it's the final season, you know, who knows? Anything can happen. But if it is, if it really is. I think it re- it's nice to know where the finish line is, if that, if that really is the finish line, and really shoot for a finish line, because we haven't been able to do that for four years, you know? We've we've gotten these short orders and kind of broken a, a, an arc of a story that would fit that first 13, and then all of a sudden they order, you know, six more or or nine more or, you know, or 11 more last year with 24 total episodes, and so it just makes it very difficult to find a rhythm that, that really feels satisfying, particularly in these kind of serialized stories that we 
we've done in the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. It's been tricky. I think the writers have been incredible in coming up with with story arcs that really kind of tie together and pay off in ways that are really fun and, and surprising, given the fact that we never knew how many we were actually producing. <laughs> you know, they've, they've been incredible. So uh, it'll be nice. Anyway, it'll be nice that if, if it's really 13, that'll be great. I know it makes the writers happy to really know what they're kind of shooting for. And, uh, it, it's kind of, you know, as, as every season also, I mean, obviously from, from the finale last night, you know, we're kind of resetting again a lot of new opportunities and a lot of new uh, rules to mm-hmm. what the next season could be. So, um, yeah. So that would be a lot of fun there. Let's talk about that. Um, it has <laughs> been a surprisingly polarizing finale. Really? I haven't read any of the blogs yet this morning. Oh, my goodness, Robbie. You are going to be surprised here. Um, I was shocked when I saw that Twitter lit up and our chat room lit up and the forums lit up. Um, The big question is about intersecting Morgan. Really? Yes. There are some fans that are pretty upset with you guys about this. (laughs) Um, You know, I keep seeing the show's called Chuck, not Morgan. And, you know, Morgan has to intersect. Chuck does not. How is that even possible within the mythology? Um, (laughs) What, how can this be? What are you, what are you thinking? Et cetera, et cetera. So tell us, what are you thinking? What are we thinking? (laughs) You know, uh, like I said before, I think every year we try to kind of reset the show in a big way. And I think this was, uh, it was a risk. Often we kind of have to back into explaining what we've done because we don't know, you know, we didn't know if there was a future to the show. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things to explore. I mean, certainly what, what Chuck was told there at the end, that this whole thing, all of it was part of a big plan, a mm-hmm. conspiracy potentially. So there's a lot to explore there just personally and, and with Chuck's emotions kind of driving that. With what was this plan, if that's true? Um, I think what was... What was driving the, the Morgan getting the intersect was just purely um, Josh Gomez has has brought so much fun to mm-hmm. our spy stories in, in, in a real comic way and a real brought a lot of heart and a lot of fun to it mm-hmm. that um, it might be fun to experiment with. What if he accidentally downloaded this the intersect? It, will it work? I mean, we don't know. We don't know what you know. He thinks maybe a lot of things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, the writers haven't even started yet, so I'm not sure <laughs> how we're going to explain all that. But whether or not it works perfectly, I doubt it will work perfectly. Um, if it lasts long, if it has the same kind of effect on Morgan that it had on Chuck, um, or is it something different? And certainly, there's a lot of ways to go with it. But, mm-hmm. but it was coming from an impulse of just wanting to bring a new level of fun into the spy story and bring fun, you know, back into it in a way. There's been a lot of heavy storylines with bulk of stories with it. Mm-hmm. You know, Brandon Ralph, the Shaw track, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's been real satisfying on um, a lot of levels, but um, I know that part of the, the the key to our show is keeping the fun, and, and I think that's, that's what we're looking for from Morgan in a lot of ways. I agree with that. I think it, when I when it happened, I thought, oh, my gosh. We have so much potential. This could be so cool. Um, you yeah. know, Chuck being Morgan's handler. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All of a sudden, Morgan's the asset. Yeah, exactly. 
And, you know, they're kind of, uh, they got their own spy company now. I mean, they're not really working for the CIA. And yet they'll Um, still have access to that information through Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. And the Buy More now is going to, the whole Buy More is their own cover and their Mm -hmm. own base. It's a way to kind of get back into the Buy More, which, you know, last year we were traveling the world. I mean, every week we were in a different part of the world. And Mm -hmm. um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun and certainly a lot of fun on a production level to to try to find Mogadishu or (laughs) Moscow or, you know, Prague or to, to find all these cool locations or figure out ways to do it. Swiss Alps. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that we sacrificed by doing that was giving the Buy More some screen time and, and some of the fun of the Buy More and, and the branding of the show. Mm-hmm. Nerd her the Buy More. So I think I, I love this, how we kind of set up a, an opportunity to go back to some of the wacky, nutty Buy More, you know, driven stories. Shenanigans. Kind of in, yeah, the shenanigans, mm-hmm. you know, all those. Yeah. But to me, that's a key to our show. It's, it's part of the brand of the show, and mm-hmm. the fun of the show. What, what distinguishes it from, you know, a real James Bond show or movie, a real spy, you know, a, a more traditional spy story is it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's got this nutty device of the of the buy more in this, this um, setting that just really defines it. So anyway, it'll be fun to come back. Yeah. Well, and as we established in the previous episode, um, the James Bond spies extrapolate too much and they get shot. So yeah, exactly. we have we have to evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, before yeah. we leave the Morgan at the Intersect thing, because it is it is a huge, huge issue today. And so I, I want to make sure that I um, ask the questions that the fans have been asking. And one of the concern yeah. one of the concerns is that. If Morgan is able to download it, does that make Chuck less special? Because he's been told all along that the reason he was able to be an intersect and to control the intersect and to function as an intersect is because he is special. So now some of the fans are thinking that if Morgan's able to download it, that makes Chuck somehow less special. And is that something that yeah. you agree with? Or do you feel it's been explained already? Or is it No, I don't think it's I don't think it's been explained already at all. I think that I'm, I I agree with the fans totally. I think that's a, that's another key to our show is that Chuck has to have a, a you know, a unique nature that allows this intersect to function the way it has. And, mm-hmm. and we've established that in the mythology. So I don't think that when we come back in season five that you're gonna see Morgan as an intersect that equals Chuck at all. I, I don't think it'll be that at all. I think it'll be a Morgan version of <laughs> what that does. And 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 again, you know, I, I don't know that that's a that's going to be set for the entire season. You know, that may be something that drives the beginning of our series. And uh, you know, like, there's a lot of ways we can go with it. I just think there's some fun to be had, and so to spend some time there and see how, see what happens with, with Morgan. Trying to be an intersect could be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but um, but I I think it's important, like the fans are suggesting. I think it's really important to distinguish that Chuck is is special and that he's the only one that can use the inter- intersect in the way that we've seen it succeed so well the last four years. Does that mean that he will be recovering his intersected capability soon? Will he be re-intersected? I, you know what. 
I wish I could tell you. Uh, we have in, in, in about two weeks, uh, everybody's going to come back in the office, and that's when we'll start figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that's been part of the, the challenge of this series, and it's been it's been the challenge, and it's also been, in a way, what's driven these these really dramatic, you know, kind of story mm-hmm. resets over the years. Has been the fact that we don't know how far how long we're going. Right. And so we're we're pushing things. In ways that, you know, to, to, to tease some, some possibilities. And then we're kind of figuring out, all right, now we got some more episodes. What do we do? Yeah. Yeah. We, we opened up all these options. Which road are we going to take? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, would... in, in about, yeah, in about two weeks, uh, everybody's going to sit down and go, holy <laughs> What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw my, uh, my status update on Facebook last night, but it was holy cow, Chuck. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun. I, I think everybody, everybody on the show is is really happy that we're coming back for a fifth season, mm-hmm. and and so much thanks to the fans, yeah, and the people who have been part of the part of the Chuck family and keeping it going in a huge way. And everybody's really happy to. To come back and, and, like you said in the beginning, if this really is the final 13, to really feel a sense of completion mm-hmm. um, in a way that we've never been able to quite feel. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you set up this really cool concept of Chuck and Sarah and Casey and Morgan as freelance spies. Uh, yeah. Kind of a is it kind of like a heart to heart or Mr. and Mrs. Smith? vibe that we're going for here? It's definitely uh, a heart-to-heart kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, you've talked to Fedak and Schwartz and those guys uh, about their love of those great kind of 80s private eye shows, or I know Fedak and I have talked about Misfits of Science, you know, uh. it's a very short, short-lived series, but one we both uh, love and had connections to. And uh, Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what your question was, but <laughs> it was about the the concept of them being freelance spies and, and oh yeah, freelance spies like a hard to heart. Exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah. You, you, you know, that's those are the references that feedback when when we're talking about story elements. We're constantly referencing those kind of freelance PIs from the, those eighty great eighty shows, and mm-hmm. you know, even in the finale, like the the motorcycle came from. Streethawk? The motorcycle. Streethawk, yeah, exactly. Came from Streethawk, which, you know, finally Fedak came out of the closet and admitted it was one of his favorite shows of all time, and he had a <laughs> motorcycle in our show. Um, oh, awesome. That got a lot of um, good fan reaction. They they liked that scene, and they were wondering how you filmed it. Uh, it was a combination, to be honest. Um, a lot of the exterior motorcycle driving down the street, all of that motorcycle and truck driving was filmed by Paul Marks, who's our co-EP and, and line producer on the show and, and directed an episode this year. Paul shot all the um, the second unit driving works, and I, he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the interior of the truck was a set built on stage that was put onto a giant bladder, so it bounced around, and we had a blue screen outside so that when the door was open, it was a combination of a lot of different elements. The, the motorcycle scene I thought was really fun and dynamic. And, you know, the paratroopers in Act 4, when, you know, Fiat talked about, you know, the cargo plane flying over and dropping hundreds of 
rusty <laughs> characters. Or, that was, was that a Red land. Dawn? Was that Red Dawn? It was, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we had a movie, movie or a TV show from the 80s for everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a Red Dawn moment. It was very cool. Casey's very re- cool. Yeah. I love Casey's reaction when he looks up and he says, Russian. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was perfect. And we had that nice Reagan homage earlier. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, there was, was a lot of fun in the episode. And, and some of the stuff, I, you know, to me, the, the triad of our show, I, I don't know if I've ever said this to you before, but I always feel like a triad is a great spy story with some action, and we certainly got that with motorcycles and paratroopers. Mm-hmm. That's one of the triads. The other is, uh, is, is comedy and surprising kind of, you know, modern feeling comedy and, and, and our writers are great at writing those and we got great actors to do it. And the other is heart and I think there were some great moments of heart last night. Mm-hmm. You know, with Chuck's, the moment where he's running in after he's parachuted in, running in to, to give the, um, you know, the antidote, um, mm-hmm. kind of slow motion montage. I mean, it was just epic, you know, just an epic moment emotionally. Mm-hmm. Had a conversation with Timothy Dalton this morning. He was real happy with with everything and kind of wrapping up his character. And and I was telling him I thought the scene in the lobby where he's talking about his daughter and not wanting to face her, you know, was really beautifully executed and great emotion. And in a, in an episode that had to cover so many bases and tell so much story, I thought we we really got a lot of good emotion out of it. That was a really surprisingly moving scene and. You know, props to him for he he maneuvered between Tuttle and Volkov and Hartley with such ease throughout the whole season. Oh, that's great! I will pass that on if, if you think that, and so many people do. Because he 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 was a, a a joy to work with all year, and, and uh, a really true actor's actor. I mean, mm-hmm. really had a lot of thoughts and would come in with thoughts and ideas before we weeks before shooting an episode and just uh, put a lot of a lot of himself into it. I really uh, I, I loved him. He's great. Mm. He was terrific. Um I'm hoping that we will see him again, but I know there's a lot to cover still. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a question about the, you were talking about, you know, the epic scene of, of Chuck coming into the hospital to give Sarah the antidote. What was the thinking behind deciding to fade to black before she opened her eyes and then go straight to the wedding? The, the fade to black, actually, the way that it, as I recall, the way it, the, the sequence went was we went to the, um, we went to the, you're talking about the act right there where, where he gives her the antidote and he's saying, it's not too late, it's not too late, and we pull back from the room and he's, mm-hmm. Drops his head. Is that yeah, it, it goes. About? Yeah, it goes to commercial, and then it comes back. And my stupid affiliate bled over, so I didn't see the scene with the the sign where it goes oh. answer the funeral <laughs> down. So I'm like, wait, what happened? I I don't understand. Yeah, the, the again a ton of story to tell, and so trying to trying to find the smoothest way to transition there. But yeah, we go out of that act, kind of fading out on a, the huge question of. Is this antidote going to work? And and kind of misdirecting at the end of that act that it's that it may be too late, you know. But we kind of go out on on the music all faded, and all you had was the the beep 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 of the machines as we pulled out. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty kind of stark moment to go to commercial. So at commercial, we come back on the one shot kind of coming across the church, and we see the sign that says, you know, funeral at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. We hold there for a beat, and then the tilt down to Borkowski wedding at one. <laughs> <laughs> which was, by the way, I think Nick Wooten, the writer, our, our writer, it was uh, 
I think one of his favorite moments all season and during prep. He was like, I love this when we come across the sign and they're going to think she's dead and then bam, we see the wedding. And he was uh, so excited about that, that moment. But yeah, if you missed that, then, then it probably felt like a big jump. It really, yeah. That was yeah. The, I, yeah. Yeah. That was the idea was to, to kind of go out with the misdirect in the sense that, you know, was it, was it too late? And, and then coming back right into, right into the wedding. By the way, it was a version of the show. Because there was so much story to tell. I wondered how many deleted scenes there were. Um, there was a lot of pieces of scenes out of this because we were about ten minutes over in the first cut. So there certainly were a lot of pieces, and, mm-hmm. and uh, but we didn't cut a lot of scenes. But there was a version because there was so much story to tell. Um, a version in prep where we came back from commercial to a church. Same idea that you see a sign, funeral at four, and then you saw the Bartowski wedding, and then the doors open and the wedding was over. There was a version where we never saw a wedding, where it just was a big surprise of them coming out with rice. And, and in prep, we all kind of discussed it, and we went, you know, we're missing an opportunity here. There's an opportunity to see the the service. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's always a debate on these shows, because we're covering so much ground that, you know, yeah, what part of the story are we going to focus on, and what parts are we going to kind of skip past to get to, to keep moving forward? And that was one that obviously was... Was too big a moment not to be there for. Yeah, I think the fans needed to see it. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's it, you know it's it's interesting because those are the kind of things we we struggle with. We struggle with what parts of the story are we focusing on? Mm-hmm. How are we kind of rolling it out? And as as that story developed and the idea of their nervousness, the flashbacks and beforehand and and, and him struggling to write his vows became the focus of kind of those flashbacks and so then we come in on the wedding and we actually finally hear the vows so that was the idea that was that was precious Sarah's vows were just oh we were crying there was was some tears there were some tears when we filmed it because again we didn't know if we're coming back and a lot of people you know wondered could this be the last episode ever and so to see the wedding and it was funny when we did the rehearsal for the first time in you know in the church our hair and makeup department, all the girls were crying. <laughs> and Yvonne was tearing up. And Zach was very emotional. It was just a rehearsal, but it was the first time we actually did it. And everybody kind of went, oh, my God, look how far we've gone. Exactly. What a moment. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know, I was looking around like, oh, my God, people <laughs> are really crying. Yeah. Well, you're so invested at that point that it feels real. Yeah. You know, you care yeah, about the yeah, characters. Yeah. What was the thought behind making Morgan the officiant? Because we expected him to be the best man. Yeah, that was, you know, the, the idea was um, when we when we thought about Morgan's perspective during all this, that he couldn't let go, that he just, you know, that he's, he's so invested that he wants to be intimately a part of it. And mm-hmm. we had this idea that wouldn't it be funny if Morgan's everywhere? Like he's the judge, <laughs> he's the chauffeur, he's the, you know, he's everybody. Yeah. He was, you know, if there was a reception, he was the catering guy, you know, it was everything. And we just thought that was a funny idea. So, uh, you know, the idea that he got his uh, online, you know, Justice of the Peace license through the, you know, Federation of Planets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <was> funny. <laughs> that was. And then with you directing, I was like, oh, wow. Way to go, Star Trek. Even though that's yeah. United Federation, but. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
It, that yeah. tickled me, but it surprised yeah. me because it seemed the way that you filmed it was so soft that yeah. and having missed that pan outside the theater or outside the yeah. uh, the church, I thought it was a dream for a while. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, but it just kept going. And then I realized, oh, no, this is this is legit. Yeah. So. And I thought um, our editors did an incredible job on that montage, oh. um, which was not scripted. It's something we kind of came up with in post. The montage of them coming out and the slow motion of the rice being thrown with kind of going through the pilot. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a moment from the pilot, a moment from season two and three and building all the way to Welcome to the Family. And, I loved that. You know, it just, that was, yeah, it was a really, really great idea. Mm-hmm. So. It was. So we talked a little bit about the conspiracy that Decker mentions there at the end when he's taunting Chuck. Yeah. Is that the is that the big bad for season five? Is it is like the CIA going to be who they're after to uncover this conspiracy? I think that that's going to be uh, potentially one of our, you know, kind of serialized. Yeah, as opposed to as opposed to a Volkov or a Shaw mm-hmm. or even a Fulcrum or Ring that it's. Um, that the drive is for, for Chuck to put together what this whole, what it all means. And, mm-hmm. you know, that there, that there's a conspiracy and, and looking for that. Yeah. It seems but like again, that. You know, it's, a, it's an idea that feels really strong to everybody and felt right, but how we're going to do it, <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> well, it feels like it's been seeded throughout all four seasons. Yeah. I mean, it's an idea that I think when the writers, they all kind of came up with it, it was like, Wait, this totally fits. You know, mm-hmm. it was not, it was not planned that way, but it's just, and it's you know, it's funny. It fits. It seems so natural once you, once we came up with it. Like uh, yesterday, I was driving my son, my 13 year old, home from school. We were talking about the finale. He hadn't seen any of it or didn't know much about it. He was asking me questions. And I was like, Dad, yeah, what happened? And he goes, and then my son's name is Carter. And he mm-hmm. goes, uh, he goes. Wouldn't it be great, Dad, if in the last episode that, that Chuck finds out that the whole series has been a conspiracy? Mm-hmm. And I was, <laughs> I said, you'll have to watch. You know, I couldn't <laughs> believe that he, that he, you know, to him that made total sense. Yeah. And, uh, so I think it's it's a it's the right idea, but how we're going to roll that out, I have absolutely no idea right now. I am excited. If that's the route you guys go, I'm really excited about that. I love conspiracy stuff. Yeah. And it's just, this show is ripe for that. Yeah, it is. And it feels like the right time, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of come back and try to put it all together mm-hmm. and bring it back, you know, bring our stories a little more back to the buy more and kind of come full circle back to some of the elements that started the whole thing off. It feels like you've been doing that all season to an extent. We've had, you know, Karina's been back a few times. We had John Larroquette back, um, Sarah's yeah. dad, and just and then not just people, but there's been visual gags and and you know lines referencing things from the past. It's been yeah. really a rich season for longtime fans. Yeah, yeah, and you know what else I love that that you know we had a big shift in our writing staff this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of new new writers on the show. And the fact that the show, the mythology of the show, felt so strong and so clear to these new writers that they were able to take that mythology and mm-hmm. and just keep it going, I think spoke a lot to the strength of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, the first three years that 
that the show fits and it makes sense and it all somehow as crazy as it is, it all kind of adds up and continues to add up and that those new writers were able just to fall right in and be able to, to make sense of that. I thought was really uh, mm-hmm. a testament to the, to the, all the writing staff. Yeah. You know, Kristen Newman, I can't, every time she writes an episode and we talk about it, I'm just over the moon. I, I'm her <laughs> biggest, I think I'm her biggest fan. She has she's just awesome. blown me away. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome. So, are we going to see? I know we got Phil Klemmer back, or you guys did. You see how I'm taking ownership of the show now? Yeah, of course. It's, <laughs> we're all part of the team. So. Yeah. Um, is there any chance that, um, you know, with some of these other shows that writers left for in season three that didn't get picked up, will we be seeing any of them return to the staff, or is it too soon Returning? to tell? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's too soon to tell in, in terms of the writing staff. It's really Christina department. I mm-hmm. think that we're going to continue with the staff that was with us last year mm-hmm. for the most part. I, I haven't heard of any any big changes. You know, Phil coming back was great. Yeah. You know that that happened with the you know extra episodes. We needed some some help in that back nine yeah. or back oh. eleven. Yeah. Did you guys just all you know cheer and then groan when you got that news? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, hey, absolutely. Twenty-four episodes is a lot. It's a lot. That's a long uh, haul. A, it's a long haul for a show like this, too. I, I, you know, I remember back when I was doing Star Trek as an actor. We did. We started off doing twenty-six episodes a year. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the syndication model that Paramount had back then. And uh, you know, I was an actor on the show, so it didn't, didn't really. I didn't get the full understanding of what that many episodes mm-hmm. was. And, uh, boy, when we did 24 this year, I was thinking back to that, those Star Trek episodes and just, I don't know how our Star Trek production team did it. <laughs> 26 a year, you know. That's practically year round production, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we would pretty much break for, you know, three or four weeks in the spring. That was about it. Mm-hmm. And the writers never stopped, really. Yeah. It's season breaks when they could. But, and like I said, I think Diak is taking two weeks. That's it. That's all. He's, and then he's, he's back? This week and next week. This week and next week he's off, and then we'll back into it. He'll, he'll be back into it, getting the writers together. And, uh, production will get back in in June, and we'll start filming in July. Here we go again. Yep. Take deep breath yeah. and let's do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So are we looking at, um, with season five, possibly being the last? Are you guys going to, um, I, I know you, you guys haven't really broken the stories yet, but has there been any, any talk of saying, you know what, NBC says this is the end, so let's pile on all of our dream casting and storylines and gadgets and everything? Yeah, I think that's going to be the goal out of the gate is, is assuming that taking them at their word that this is the uh, the final 13 and really and really kind of planning for that. Like like I said about the motorcycle, the street hawk, Mm-hmm. You know, gag. We did. <laughs> FedEx got a lot of love for for things like that, and, and a lot of ideas that I know he'd love to do. So, assuming we can uh, afford it, and even if we can't afford it, we'll figure out a way. <laughs> yeah, he. They said that that was the the most expensive episode, like since the pilot. Oh, was it the finale? It's something like, that, or one of the most expensive episodes. I remember hearing that it was it was pretty expensive and. Yeah, well, with all the, you know, the motorcycle gags and the parachuting, you mm-hmm. know, even even though it happens quickly, I mean, to, to 
to accomplish that safely and a combination of visual effects and some pra- and a lot of practical there. There was a lot of a lot of stuntmen that day working yeah. in construction cranes and I mean if you you know, I, I wish I had pictures of the whole rig that, that it took to to get those guys coming in on yeah. marks, coming in safely. It was a huge, a huge build. It was a feature film style build yeah. to get those guys parachuting in. It was a cool scene. It was, it was cool, yeah. Cool, yeah. It was impressive, kind of showing the might behind Chuck. He may not yeah. be the intersect anymore, but he's still a badass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chuck- yeah, there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, I know FedEx still got uh, things in his back pocket that he wants to, to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to probably be throwing all, all the stuff that he uh, still has left as his last 13. They're going to be, they're going to be big. Good. That's what we want. Well, yeah. just um, we we've been discussing this in in addition to the Morgan and Intersect issue. There's been a lot of discussion about whether we should take Decker's laugh at the reference to Stephen Bartowski being dead to mean anything. <laughs> yes, that laugh right um, there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Bryce came back. And, uh, anything's possible. I, you know, again, I, I, there's a lot of things to work out and plan, and but you never know. I, I like I like that with Decker's suggestion of conspiracy, and, and uh, I, I thought um, he did a great job. His performance was wonderful in the, in the, in the finale there, and, and uh, gave a lot of color and texture to what could, you know, potentially Decker could come back next year. Oh, I hope he does. To, to stay a problem for Chuck. And, and so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's anything possible in the Chuck world. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, Scott Bakula was great on the show and he enjoyed it a lot being on Chuck. So. I think it would be um, a check off the bingo box if we got to see Stephen and Mary in a scene together. You know, yeah, the fans would, would feel like that. There's our final season. We yeah. get to see Chuck and Ellie and Mary and Steven all together. Yeah, well, it's definitely something to discuss and mm-hmm. to look into. Yeah, I hear how you're not answering the question. That's cool. <laughs> I'm down with that. I'm using all my my best skills. Yes, deflecting. all my political skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> deflect, deflect. Um, well, I, I think that's about it. Um, you know, you guys haven't broken for season five yet. So there's, you know, some of the questions the fans are answering, there's no answer yet. Or they're asking. Yeah. There's no answer. Yeah. There really is, there really is no answer, uh, for the next two weeks. Nobody's, nobody's doing much of anything, uh, except getting ready to start over. But, but in a couple of weeks, all these questions will start to become answered. So. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, exciting, exciting. So yeah. I I guess we'll uh, see you at Comic-Con then in July. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I was just over in Germany two weeks ago for a, a Star Trek convention called FedCon over in Dusseldorf. Uh-huh. And mostly a Star Trek convention, but Scott was over there, Bacter was over there. Oh, right on. Boy, there were so many Chuck fans. Yep. You know, I was there really mostly representing Star Trek in my Star Trek days, but there were people dressed in costume, so many Chuck fans dressed up. There were so many questions. I'd say, you know, and during my panels, at least half the questions were about Chuck. 
Cool. As many as there were about Star Trek days. So uh, it's really exciting to see this phenomenon, you know, going global and, and becoming kind of entrenched as a, as a franchise the mm-hmm. way that, that some of the big ones are. It's really fun to see. Do you think that Chuck has the, the legs to produce like a spinoff or a feature film? I think it's possible. Yeah, I really do. I mean, uh, I don't know if there's conversations that's, that's, uh, above my, uh, <laughs> pay grade. my, my pay grade, <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, you know, we'll get through season five and then see, but absolutely. I think a feature or a, or a spinoff. I mean, it's, it's got the mythology that, that Chris Fedak mm-hmm. has been able to create here leaves so many possibilities open for our series and, and potential for more. So, yeah, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, that would be. That would be cool to see it become a long-running franchise like Star Trek and, and some of the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you could be the Uber geek. You would have been in both. Exactly. Involved in two huge franchises. I'm feeling kind of Uber geeky already. So. Yeah, I think you should, really. <laughs> I kind yeah. of do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and Masters of the Universe. That's a big I go back to Masters yeah. of the Universe in the eighties and that yeah. was right. kind of geeky. So, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah le- let your geek flag fly, man. <laughs> exactly. I think you've earned it. I think so. Yeah. Well cool. Well great talking to you and uh, yeah. we'll talk some more in this upcoming season. You bet. Thanks so much, Robbie. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one. All right, thanks. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye. And we're back. Um, we're not going not gonna, to uh, dissect too much about that interview um, because this podcast is already running pretty long. But um, this is getting towards the end of our 90th, actually 91st, um, that's a long story. Um, episode 90 of our podcast, and we had a, a kind of a half, half episode celebrating one of the renewals. Oh. Um, but uh, uh, it has been a long haul with 24 Chuck episodes this season. And, and so um, our summer podcast schedule is going to involve a couple of hiatuses. Uh, we are going to take a break after this podcast. And the next podcast that's planned is going to be... Um, around San Diego Comic-Con, uh, which, of course, is taking place July 21st through 24th. And those are always some really, really popular podcasts. Um, generally, we have one podcast where we have the, the full panel in, 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 its, in its entirety and then another podcast where we have the press room interviews. And so we will probably have two podcasts at that time towards the end of July. And then we're going to take another hiatus and then um, our next podcast after that will be when Chuck returns in September. So um, I, and th- there may be the chance if if a, if a special interview or event comes, we might surprise you with something. But at this point, where we are planning on taking a much needed break, um, and that will be our schedule for the summer. Um, please do continue to watch ChuckTV.net for any updates and also. Um, keep watching us on Twitter because anything that does come, that's how we're going to get the information out to you. Um, so other than that, oh, and, and do uh, please continue to to support with uh, votes at Podcast Alley. Um, it's a great time to actually check out any back episodes that you've missed, older interviews. We've had, we've had over 100 
um, interviews on the podcast so far. So uh, great time to go and see if you've missed any. And um, other than that, I guess we will see you at Comic-Con because there's no spoilers, obviously, for Season 5. Um, and anything else we need to say before the uh, sponsors? Thanks for spending Season 4 with us. thanks for spending 90 and a half podcasts with us yeah we'll be back yep and we will be going over 100 i am happy about that so somebody asked a long time ago why i had a zero before the numbers and it's because i always knew that we'd go over 100 and we will now we will yeah yeah so yeah as gray alluded checktv.net will be up and running all through the hiatus we've got some fun stuff coming your way so be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter um, or pick up our ISS feed so you don't miss anything. And, of course, the forums are going to be hopping. Yep. So uh, for the last time until Comic-Con, we want to thank our sponsors and thank you for watching and supporting Chuck. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a nice summer. Turn your Mac into the coolest television and DVR in the house with award-winning ITV from Elgato. Whether you get your TV signal from an antenna or from a digital box, there's an ITV tuner to suit your needs. Watch live TV on your Mac, record a TV show or series, and enjoy the episodes you've recorded later on your Mac, iPad, or iPhone. You can even stream live TV straight to your iPad with the optional ITV app. You can find all this at www.elgato.com. And we want to thank the rest of our sponsors, ielabs.com, makers of the award-winning ActionBlue AVCHD conversion software, which authors full HD videos on regular DVD discs. It even works with HD clips from the iPhone and the new iPad 2. You can get your free trial of the software at ielabs.com. We also want to thank the Movie Morons podcast at moviemorons.com. They are actually highly intelligent and talk about new movies, classic movies, and movies that you may not have even heard of but are worth a trip to the video store to find, and even interview filmmakers and authors, moviemorons.com. And last but not least, serienjunkies.de. Hello, this is Christina Caramel from Serien Junkies TV. Are you addicted to TV shows? Be our guests and learn the latest news and reflections on what's going on in the world of TV series. Well, our show is in German, but maybe you want to drop in anyway? Then visit www.serienjunkies.de and watch out for our video podcast. See you.